Anyway, this is episode two of ADNlive.com, the unofficial app.net podcast. Though we've had Dalton on now one episode going on two, that's going to be 100%. So we might have to think about uh, doing another subdomain.app.net for this podcast and, and making it official. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see uh, what kind of uh, hit rate we can get. I know uh, I definitely think Brian and some other folks should come on as well. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, and we'll we'll have some third-party developers come on and I've spoken to a couple of the guys doing iOS apps and I think it'll be cool to get perspectives from all over the community. Totally agreed. So anyway, how have things been a week out from, from our last conversation? So yeah, so we've been really busy in here. Um, the way I would characterize what it's like internally is we've been, we've been trying to get through the backlog of issues regarding the join.app.net campaign. So specifically, we got everyone into the alpha now. So every account that's been created is in, is in the alpha. And on a forward basis, when people create an account and sign up for an account on app.net right now, uh, they will automatically get added to the alpha, I believe, within 30 minutes of them signing up. Um, and we're going to try to make that within a minute or two. Um, so we so we wrote quite a bit of code to get everybody in the system, and that was a huge undertaking, and are excited that everyone's in. And I'm uh, assuming that's going to become automatic at some point? No, exa- exactly. I mean, it is automatic now. It, it just takes it takes a few minutes for the scripts to run. It has to do with billing. We want to make sure that the billing code works properly um, before we just, yeah. anyway, it's, it's some technical stuff, but Got yeah, it. we want it. it's going to be completely automated. It is automated now. It just sometimes takes a few minutes to get the alpha invite after you've signed up. Cool. Uh, but it's, but it's relatively instantaneous. Yeah. It's within half an hour at the max. Cool. So everybody, you know, anyone that signs up right now within half an hour gets the invite to the alpha. And so, yeah, so the, the doors are effectively, uh, wide open and new signups at this point. Um, so we're we're pretty happy about that, and we're happy that everyone got in the alpha. That also helped us clear out our support queue, um, which is now down to sane levels. So I think our responsiveness um, is going to be a lot better from the support's perspective. We're <laughs> feeling a lot better about that. Cool. Um, and the other aspect is is uh, the terms of service as well as billing. So we put up our first draft of the terms of service yesterday. Um, it's hosted on GitHub. We're asking people to create GitHub issues and to submit uh, pull requests to us. And we're going to run all those past our lawyer. Uh, and you know, there's been some fantastic discussion that, um, on there so far. And frankly, we're very um, we're relieved that this experiment seems to have worked, right? We weren't sure what would happen if we put our terms of service up on GitHub. And mm-hmm. what, you know, we, we just didn't know what people would say. And like, just the quality of the thoughts and the discourse and the suggestions is just like, uniformly high and so we are so grateful that people are taking the time to to give good feedback and think things through um it's it's been it's been awesome and then finally the last thing is is billing we started billing yesterday and writing billing code is very nerve-wracking um yes i can imagine (laughs) so you know it, it took us quite a bit of time this week uh, it was mostly Brian that wrote the wrote that piece himself, but we really wanted to get that right uh, again for obvious reasons. And um, we also we threw on some extra time for people. And the algorithm is actually a little bit complicated, but basically, the earlier you backed us, the more extra time you got. Um, 
And so different in your email you get with your with the receipt when you when you uh, when it says hey we build you it'll show you what date you're effective through and um, most people will have different dates just depending on when they backed us and you know it's just a it's just a show of thanks and a show of goodwill um, for all our backers and just another way to reward them for being early backers rather than you know uh, maybe jumping on earlier <laughs> uh, later. It. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I think I'm in through like November 2013 or something. So thank you. You're one of the earlier ones. That's correct. Where uh, Where do you guys see yourselves in? You know, a month from now, and a year, and five years, and have you thought th- those conversations that are happening internally right now? So we're really focusing on just nailing things in the short term. Um, I know, you know, like last week. Marco came in and was like, okay, you know, now's the time, open everything up and cut the price and let everyone in and go, go, go. And, you know, I'm super understanding and sympathetic to that feedback, but our job here is to build something that's rock solid and that does what it says and that we follow through on all the promises we made. And so, you know, things like the TOS is one of them. So we're trying to ship so in the next couple of weeks, um, and Brian okayed me giving this list, but in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have, um, or we're going to try to have annotations shipped, um, some kind of favorites implementation shipped, as well as uh, native reshare and repost. Um, because I know those are things that people are really waiting for, and that especially annotations has been blocking a lot of software development and a lot of third-party developers from building um, some things they want, and we're super sensitive to that. So. You know, in the short term, we're going to try to just really nail the implementations of those things in the API. Um, and then beyond that, um, after we ship all those things, that's when we're going to tackle the private messaging uh, bit and and get really engaged on all the things in issue 33, as well as streaming uh, and a few other things that people have asked for. Could you uh, uh, explain annotations a little bit? Sure. So annotations, it's actually already documented. And that's one of the reasons we're prioritizing it so high is that if you, anyone that pulls up our documentation in GitHub will see um, that we have, you know, uh, basically you can attach metadata to any post object and put stuff in it. (laughs) And the, the reason that it's so helpful is that by putting, by letting third party developers put stuff in posts, you can use it um, as a communication protocol between apps where, you know, you could put in, you could build like a chess game or a checkers game and each, each post would have annotations in it that describe what moves were made, you know, like, you know, queen moves to this space or king moves to this space and capture all that inside of an annotation. Right, instead of having to put that text in band, like right in the content of the message itself. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's why... This is one of the most open-ended kind of features and something that had been discussed at Twitter years ago that was never shipped is that this sort of opens a Pandora's box in a good way of what you can do with a basic post metaphor. And it becomes less and less about the text that you see that's rendered and more of thinking of a post as just um, a message bus. And um, that's this is one of the most, you know, being able to ship a real annotations implementation for us was one of our biggest uh, reasons for doing this, frankly, is that, for God's sakes, someone needs to ship a good annotations implementation because there's so many 
ideas, you know, and again, things that I couldn't even fathom or think of myself that could be built once you can take for granted that, that this piece works. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, a really simple example that comes to mind is building a blog commenting system, sort of like Discuss, but built on top of app.net instead. Is that? That's certainly having annotations makes that way, way easier, doing media sharing things. I mean, yes, it's, it's a very open-ended, blunt instrument. And, you know, I have people messaging me on app.net all the time asking me when it's going to ship because they really want it um, for various things. And I'm like, okay, like we want to give it to you. Um, so that's, that's something we're hugely excited about shipping. And you have uh, an expected time, you have a time frame for that or? Yeah, annotations, favorites, and reshare, you know, uh, our fuzzy thing for those things is the next couple of weeks. So this, so what it's been like internally is we were just trying to get the first draft TOS shift, get billing done, get all the legacy stuff done on that. And so that we could put all, put all of our resources on just, you know, uh, on doing annotations and, and these other things. So I think we, we hit most of our goals. It's Friday and, um, you know, we, I think we successfully are, are set up to just focus on this stuff hundred percent next week. And you mentioned uh, native reposting slash resharing. Have you guys come to a decision on a name on that? No. <laughs> we've been, look, internally, we've, there's certain discussions that I know people are having a lot of, and we just try to not even think about it because we're trying, you know, the way I think about quality of designing products is that you want to put 100% of your focus into things when you're ready to do them. But that if you're trying to pay attention to a hundred things at once, it's going to be harder for us to do a good job. And so, so I'm definitely listening and reading to everyone's feedback, but I don't have, I'm not like, I'm not yet like, okay, here's exactly how we're going to do it. I want to have, you know, I want to talk to people internally and talk to people on, on the GitHub thread and go reread it a couple of times first and take some notes before, um, before rolling out an implementation. Is uh, there is there a particular place where people should be submitting those feature requests? Is it still just put it under the hashtag feature, or is there some yeah. other official forum for that? So we're reading all of those, and um, we you know we're reading people's blog posts. I think I don't think it's live yet, but Brian told me that we're setting up a Trello board, and that he's talked about this in developer chat. And so I'll try to I'll definitely post a link once we get it set up, um, and I believe. That may be more developer facing. What we're going to do with Trello, uh, in terms of like developer features, people want. But we're, I definitely want to set up some sort of software solution for end user feedback to put into. That's perhaps not GitHub. GitHub is, it's definitely the place for for bug reports on the API and issues like that. But for just end users, yeah, I'm I'm the first to admit we're probably we could be doing a better job of giving people a place to go to um, than we are now. Well, maybe there's your first annotations-based app right there. Yeah, that would be it. That's, see, there you go. I mean, that's an interesting, I had not thought of that, but yeah, you could build a support, you could build like a feature request system with it. Right. Um, any other word from Brian? Any other updates we should know about? So let's see, Trello, um, annotations, favorites, reshare, repost, private messages, streaming. Um, you know, the other thing he wanted me to to repeat that I talked about a little bit at the Airbnb talk was just to think about the time scale and that how, what a short amount of time it is, right? Like think about 
how long it took for something like, you know, Twitter or Facebook or, or GitHub um, from when it was first shipped in some kind of alpha form to, to really stand on its legs. And like, we are, what's happened so far is amazing. And the amount of third party apps that people have been building is amazing. And I, I don't even know if there's a precedent for this amount of growth so quickly. I think Richard McManus from Read, Write, Web was talking about this in one of his blog posts. Um, but I still want people to have a sense of the time scale. And, uh, you know, hopefully they, hopefully we get some amount of patience and understanding that, like, obviously we're shipping really fast. And even this week, you know, we, we've shipped quite a few things, like the, a better mobile view for alpha and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there's some, there's some amount of patience and understanding of, you know, what it's going to take to make everybody happy on the API side. Um, so yeah, he wanted me to remind people of that. Yeah, I mean, even just talking about third-party apps, there are so many in the GitHub directory at this point that you can't count them at a glance. You have to. There's there are dozens, maybe a hundred or more. Yeah, I should count them. There might there might actually be a hundred, and I actually even know about projects that have not been announced and put there either. But I'm not going to out anybody. All right. Uh, so <laughs> there's a there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really impressive, and I think that speaks to that that you you hit a nerve when with your blog article uh with your post about what twitter should have been uh and it also speaks to the quality of the api and how easy it is to use i mean do you have you guys gotten any complaints like what what's the most common feedback you're getting from developers either negative or or positive and don't don't be afraid to toot your own horn I mean, I, I don't want to, a couple of things on that. I mean, just in terms of tuning our, our horn, I mean, look, I've been doing this stuff for a while and I, you know, when I launched iMeme, I remember the first users we had and interacting with them and the uh, same with, same with pick please and, and various other things we've launched and startups that succeed and, and, and things that become what I would call cultural phenomena, things like Instagram it's actually about the community way more than it is about the company, right? Like the way I think about it is that at the end of the day, we, we're running the servers and we, we control the code that we roll out, but we're still members too. And when you think about already what the power of the community is and the power of the developer ecosystem, in a lot of ways, we're just trying to hang on ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Like we're, we're just trying to keep up with demand and we're trying to, you know, um, we're trying to just stay, you know, hold on as tight as we can so we don't get thrown off the horse ourselves. And I don't think that we necessarily even deserve a great, you know, we don't deserve the credit necessarily for a lot of the movement that's happening here. We, we are building the right code at the right time in the right place. Um, and we're trying to be open and transparent in a bunch of different ways, but What's making this awesome and amazing is the people participating and adding value. And I mean, again, like you yourself, I, I don't know you. I've never met you, but you wanted to do a podcast, and here we are doing a podcast. And this was your idea, not mine. And that's awesome, right? I didn't. It this stuff keeps happening where people are doing really awesome things out of the blue, and that's what makes this whole thing so special to us. Is that we're not really. You know, we're doing our role, but this is an authentic movement. It's not just some stage stuff that we're all running from our side. Right. And do you, do you, 
Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, I've never seen anything like it before. Nothing I've ever worked on has been like this. Do you feel that part of that could be that since the user base in, in the tech community in general is more mature than it was when, say, Twitter was founded, that people are more eager to get in earlier? Do you think that that could be part of it? I think that's part of it. I think that there's a lot more people that know how to write software um, and that enjoy writing software for social things. And when you think about Twitter, when it first launched in the API, you know, there was, there was no OAuth. OAuth was something that they came up with. Um, the same with a lot of the other semantics in the API. Um, I think we're actually, we're really standing on the shoulders of the work that was done before. Um, and, and it's hugely beneficial, right? Like we know what a good iOS client looks like. We know what a good desktop client looks like. Um, we have all these developer tools, well, these collaboration tools. So, you know, I think this is this is just an example of of the rate of innovation changing and, and people getting better and better at building software. Um, and so that's why things that are this good have been able to be built this fast and be, frankly, as mature as they are. These are pretty, you know, the software I've been testing it all looks pretty dang good. Do you have? Uh, are you willing to say what your favorite third-party client is? No. Okay, that's fair. I'm trying to play. I, we genuinely uh, are providing the service, and we don't want to play favorites. And we can be, you know, I can enjoy using them and testing them and give feedback. But I want to go do everything I can to just be fair. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So, all right, here, here's a a little bit easier question. Are you using Alpha.app.net as your main client, or are you are you posting from a third-party client you know anyone could go and look at the posts that i've been making i'm primarily using alpha.app.net and people have been asking me to test their apps and if they ask me and i have a chance i go and i test them out and i i respond and give feedback and i anticipate in the future i'll start to use more and more apps um uh, but thus far i've my workflow is to use alpha with a ton of tabs i'm a weird tab browser tab person and uh that's how i've been trying to keep track of all the messages that i'm getting on a daily basis Got it. What, what browser do you use? Uh, I'm using Chrome, but I also use Firefox uh, simultaneously uh, for different tabs. It's a long story, uh, but I use Chrome. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Safari guy mostly because I like iCloud tab syncing. Sure. But I am forced to use Chrome because I don't have Flash installed on my machine, so I have to use <laughs> Chrome's sandboxed one. Sure. Totally understood um i'm that reminds me i'm supposed to do an interview for this setup it's in my inbox i need to respond to that guy but i'm pretty excited about that do you ever read that site i don't think i have no it's where it it interviews people and asks them what kind of software and hardware they use oh yes i have i have seen that it's pretty cool so i guess to preempt that what what's your machine look like right you know what actually before we get to that there was a question that i wanted to ask before that that slipped my mind i know that you guys have a team of about 12 is that right That's correct. yes how many of those are developers if you're i would no i'm thinking i would count nine people as developers because you know there's design we our, our our designer checks in code and can write html so you end up with some fuzzy areas and and one of our excellent um kind of like support qa people also writes a little bit of code as well um so i would call it I would call it nine or 10 people that are able to write code and, engin- and do engineering and 
Uh, honestly, I still, I'm not hacking on tons of backend code, but I still have all the source code checked out on my machine and I do code reviews and a lot of the copy changes, like, like a lot of the text changes on the site. Um, I'll just, I'll just make those changes on my machine and check it in myself. So I still, you know, I probably count in that as well. And I'm assuming you guys are using Git and not Subversion, right? Yeah, we're using Git, um, and we do code reviews with Garrett, which is pretty nice. And yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah, that could be an interesting episode down the line to maybe bring on Brian and talk about your development setup and how you guys are working, because I think there, there's probably some interest in that. Yeah, it's um, one of the nice things about the company being around the past couple of years is it's really hard to start with a blank source code repository and having no tools. And one of the things we missed most starting this company after having iMeme, which we built over eight years, was all of our build system and scripts and automation and notifications and dashboards. And it's you totally forget how dependent you become on your tool chain as a developer. And um, we, the state of our tool chain right now is as good as it's been in any place I've ever worked. Like, so we're pretty happy with the way it, this is way easier than starting from scratch with a bank source code repository. Is this the fastest you've seen a team work to get a product out to production? Yes. Yeah, we're in the flow. And it's because we've been working together for so long and we've been shipping code for so long. Like That's my whole thing about software teams. is you, It's really hard to just start from cold, you know, do a cold start and get your rate of change up. Um, but we've been, you know, it's, this is effectively the same team. I mean, I've been working with Brian for 10 years now straight and um in terms of the core engineering team we've been working together for two years three years depending on case-by-case basis and shipping code every day for the past two or three years so you know so there's good days there's get there's bad days there's good weeks there's bad weeks but you know we are a we are a team that has been working together for quite some time what then was the the breaking point between your last project, well, between what app.net was and what it is now? Was that like a one-day decision after the, the, the blog post, or was there a couple of weeks of discussion on that? Because I know it was, it was pretty soon after. There was the blog post, and then... Like, it was... I just, you know, I, I've been pretty open with this on my blog, but I just was trying to make the decision if we were going to sell the company to Facebook or not, and didn't want to do that. And so we, I went away on vacation for a couple of days and, you know, met with some advisor, some of my advisors and some of my mentors and kind of talked to them about the various things we could do and, um, you know, got really good support for doing exactly what we're doing right now and for the vision and for the business model. And, um, so yeah, so we came in on a Monday, I believe, and, you know, Brian and I were on the same page and we set everybody down in a conference room and I sat there for probably two hours and walked them through everything and told them what we were going to do and that we needed to build the join.app.net site. And we built the, so I told them that on Monday and on Friday we announced the project. So it really was <laughs> practically a day. It was a week turnaround time where it was like, all right, now let's start writing code on this. Yeah. And what was cool is the team was really excited <laughs> like i didn't know what people would say but we're like i mean people were like cheering in the meeting i mean it wasn't a huge meeting but like you know a couple of you know one of my one of my guys was like high five uh, so they you know the the people here were pretty excited about that uh, that we that we're doing this 
And so, what was the what was what's what's step one from that point? Do you start doing user centric stuff like the the alpha interface, or is it let's get to work on the API first and then well, the first out thing the, well, the first thing we built was joined out. We had to write our own Kickstarter clone. Right. And billing. So we spent the first few days writing, build, building the site that is joined.app.net. We built that from scratch. And you guys so, are using Stripe for that? Yes, yeah, Stripe is doing the billing. Um, and it's using all the forms and stuff we had laying around. But, you know, like that was a fairly complicated project um, to do username claiming and email notifications. And, you know, it's that, that was the first thing we built. And then from there, the API? Yeah, then we did the API documentation while we kept revving join.app.net. And then as we started working on the API documentation, we started building the actual API implementation and then tried to build alpha simultaneously with implementing the API and having them talk to each other. And that was how we were able to test both sides of the coin. Got it. All right, so now to more trivial matters. I'm going to ask you my version of Barbara Walters, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? Oh, God. And that is, if you were... Well, what kind of computer are you using? <laughs> okay. Uh, right now, I'm running a MacBook Pro 17-inch. Oh. Um, let me look. It's an older one. I bought this with my MySpace money. Um, it's a, say, 2.8 gigahertz Intel Core 2 Duo with 8 gigs of RAM. Nice. So that's that's a solid machine. I mean, that's I, I was I've been reading recently about, I think I read just the other day, an article that was that came through Hacker News about how the speed of mm, growth and technology is is beginning to slow, and the rate at which computers obsolesce is declining. So I just well, I actually for me as well as for servers and whatnot is SSDs. So I swapped in this thing's got an SSD in it, mm -hmm. and that really increased the effective life. Um, because that that's that's usually where you're going to hit bottlenecks is with disk I/O. Um, so I, you know, anyone that feels like they can afford it that wants to squeeze more life out of a computer, I always recommend an SSD. Um, it's it's like night and day. Yeah, I went from I actually had an SSD in my 15-inch Pro that I just sold, and going yeah going from a traditional hard drive to the SSD was, as you said, night and day. It was like using a completely different computer. And for the kind of work that developers do is really as much as you need, right? I mean, it's not like you're do you adding more processor processing power really helps that much. Yeah, to me, it's always about RAM. I mean, this thing maxes out at eight gigs, and I would definitely move this up to sixteen gigs because we heavily use VMware to do browser testing, mm -hmm. right? If you're going to test IE, you need to fire up VMware. So, to me, an ideal setup would be, you know irrespective of processor speed, 16 gigs of RAM, high-end SSD, VMware running on the side. And what, I'm assuming you're using an iPhone. Are you a all-out Apple guy? Um, I have an iPhone. I also have an Android phone. Um, I definitely use the iPhone as my primary phone, but I try to stay up with the new stuff and have been doing cross-platform development for a while. Like it, I mean, we had both... Um, uh, an iPhone app and an Android app. We were actually one of the first app. The day Android launched, iMeme was in the Android market. We were the first 100 apps. So 
I got to know the team over there pretty well. And um, so, look, so I, I use iPhone predominantly, but I think I have way more knowledge of the Android SDK and just the Android ecosystem than probably people would expect. Um, but yeah, there you go. Do you do Java development yourself? Uh, I used to, not anymore. Um, I haven't, I don't think I've written any Java code in a couple of years, but yes, I definitely used to do quite a bit of Java development. So iPhone, what are you thinking for September 12th? A lot of rumors surrounding the event that Apple's going to hold and new phone. Are you planning on getting one? Are you thinking it's going to be as awesome as? That's an excellent question. I'll probably, you know, I usually don't like to buy things right when they ship. I like to wait a couple of weeks because of QA issues. Maybe that's just superstitious, but, um, you know, like <laughs> you, want, you want something to get, you want someone's manufacturing process to get QA'd a bit. And look, Apple's really good at that. So maybe I'm just being superstitious. Um, but I look, I'm certainly excited about it. And I've, I've been excited about every rev of the iPhone. I, you know, in my opinion, I only got really excited about my iPhone when the 3G came out. Um, it finally, I don't know, it finally felt snappy enough for me to get really, really excited about it. But it, it took a few revs. Um, and I think if we, if we see Ford, uh, if we see LTE in the next iPhone, I think it's going to be the same sort of thing. I know that going from my iPhone to my iPad 3 with LTE in it, there's just no comparison. The LTE is like being at home and browsing on 3G is beyond frustrating now because it's just so slow. Yeah, I mean, if they can pull off that kind of quantum leap as, and or, you know, increase, you know, other features, I, I think it'll be excellent. So I guess we'll do, there's a question here, at least one. Okay, yeah, we have a couple questions now from users. Okay. So uh, from Sham, hey, Dalton, any plans to have a trending topic sidebar, maybe for popular app.net clients or for a most discussed thread? So I think in terms of things like search and trending topics, we're going to try to stay out of that, but we may feature data that's built by third parties. Um, and in terms of most popular clients, I definitely, we definitely need to build some sort of like more sophisticated version of the third party wiki page. Mm -hmm. And again, with the goal being to be fair and to just showcase all the great stuff and you know, let them show screenshots, basically to help users that want to download apps and try out apps, just get the best possible listing they could of what apps are available. Um, so that is some. So we definitely need to build some sort of showcase of those things, and perhaps from trending topics, you could, you know, plug in different algorithms. But we just we really want to stay out of the we're programming the algorithms of what you see business, um, and and really you know. Third parties will do a better job anyway. Again, if you if you look at the history of Twitter, I mean, they acquired uh, the company that did all the search. Uh, what were they called? Um, Summarize. Summar um, that was a third party thing to start with. And uh, similarly, my favorite Twitter search engine is Top right now anyway, which is a third party. So, <laughs> you know, yes. there's a trend there, isn't there? Um, so I, does that answer the question? So yes, yes to client showcase um, and that sort of stuff and. Trending topics, I mean, hopefully that becomes more of a third-party thing and the clients showcase it in the way that they choose in their particular client. And I'm assuming that becomes easier once streaming is added to the API because they can parse that data sort of in real time or closer to real time than they're doing now? 
streaming will be better than polling. And right now, I think polling is fine. Um, we haven't seen any issues thus far. Uh, but streaming will definitely be superior to polling. Right. Uh, we, have, we have a question from Sneakiness. <laughs> hey, Dalton, boxers or briefs? <laughs> oh, man. I don't want that. <laughs> Because it's a slippery slope. If I start answering that, then it's just going to get more. All right. All right. So hold on. I, I'll give my answer then. Uh, I wear boxer briefs because boxers are too loose and they get all jumbled up. And <laughs> briefs are just, I don't know. I just, I don't, it's too cold when I wear them, I guess. Though I haven't worn them in a while, to be fair. So maybe I need to give <laughs> them a shot. <laughs> thank you for, thank you for taking that question. And sure. like I said, I just don't want to. I don't want to start having more and more outrageous things. Yeah, that's it's a slippery slope. <laughs> <laughs> so there was one more. Oh no, maybe not. Maybe not. Oh yeah, there it is. Okay, from Bill Glover, he says, "How does how do you plan on mediating between competing suggestions on the API spec? There's some great debate, but ultimately a decision needs to be made." So, on a lot of these things, it's going to come way more down to Brian than to me, to be honest. I mean, we're, we're co-founders and he's, he's the guy actually writing the code. And so one of the things in our co-founder relationship is to not, pro- not to have me promise something that he can never deliver. Um, that sounds healthy. It does, right? Uh, and so to, so to directly answer that question, uh, I think the biggest debate will probably come down to private messages and things like that, right? I imagine that's what probably Bill is asking about. Because th- thus far, a lot of the suggestions have been, they have, not, they have not been terribly controversial. Maybe I'm forgetting an issue or something, but it seems like the one that people are most anxious about is that one. Um, is and which, num- number 33? Yeah, just on the actual way, not like, should we have private messages, just how exactly are we going to implement, how are we going to implement them? And right. on that one, you know, it really is going to come down to Brian's judgment call of what he thinks we can deliver on. Because again, our, our promise is to make things that work. <laughs> and I think that there's, you know, some concern that if we build something too complicated, it may not um, actually work in practice. And, you know, one of the big takeaways from from me being a longtime reader slash fan of Dave Weiner is the understanding that simplicity is better and that that's the real takeaway from RSS versus Atom and things like that is that um, the easier it is to implement and the saner, the easier it is to implement on both sides of the coin, either on our side or on the client side, the actual better user interfaces you'll end up with. And again, if you look at Twitter as a case study, one of the reasons it's gotten so successful from an API developer perspective is the API is dumb simple. Right mm-hmm. from day one, it was dirt simple to build a Twitter client. You did not need to try very hard. Um, so, in turn, so we're going to try when there's when there's discussions or hotly controversial issues. I think we're philosophically going to always try to opt for simplicity on both sides of the coin from implementation perspective on both sides. Um, but you know, I'm sure those I'm sure there'll be people that don't love the decisions we make. But you know, we you know. Brian's our guy, and we're going to do the absolute best job we can to to try to succeed. And for the for the folks who don't know, what's Brian roles in, Brian's role in this? I know he's a co-founder, uh, but you know you're sort of seen as the face of the company. What what does Brian bring to the table? I know I know it's a lot, but you sure. know, for you to explain would be better. 
is the CTO and co-founder. Um, and so in terms of our breakdown of roles, I mean, he's running the engineering team and at a small startup, running the engineering team is like the most important thing, um, right? Like that's, if you have an engineer focused company, running the engineering team is hugely important. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot of the, obviously outward communications. Um, and I've been doing all my blogging, obviously that people have been reading as well as, um, products, um, things. And I think, I guess I fit the role of, of like a product founder. I think that's what you would call me if you, if you were trying to classify people. Got it. But I'm assuming, you know, since the team is relatively small, everybody's doing a bit of everything. Yes. Like I said, I'm still checking in code and reviewing patches and you know, we're all, yes, we're all hustling. Any, uh, schedule for folks who might want to hear you talking other places or reading your blog or anything upcoming that people should know about? I don't have any current things scheduled to speak at. Um, I think uh, there's a CNBC segment that's going to be airing on Monday that I filmed last week. or No, sorry, I filmed it on Tuesday. Um, and if, if and when that goes out, I will paste a link to it. Um, I'm also supposed to be on Bloomberg West TV next week. Um, and I'll let people know when that goes out. I also, we're going to try to do a meetup in San Francisco. Um, and we've just been trying to ship all this code first before we do the meetup. And I'll definitely, I'll definitely post a schedule for that. Um, that's something important to us. Alrighty. Yeah. There's for, for anybody listening in New York, there has been one meetup in New York that I heard went really well that I couldn't make. Uh, the next one's going to be September 18th. So awesome that's that anyway thanks so much for coming back on dalton uh next week like i said earlier in the episode we're looking for third-party app developers Uh, i think i mentioned last week also that it would be really cool if we had folks who had done a lot of twitter development before and who are now doing app.net development so they can give us that perspective oh and you know what i just saw joshua blake ask a question let me just answer it while we're still online is that okay yeah absolutely so he wants to know about the existing VC investment in the company, how it affects the future, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, so about that, I've been as transparent as I can be at every point that this, that the company Mixed Media Labs is the same company that's been around for two and a half years that raised money from Andreessen Horowitz. And if you Google Mixed Media Labs or my name, there's about a, a million articles about that, right? So this has not been something that we've attempted to obfuscate in any way. Um, you know, what I would say is those guys are incredibly supportive of what we've done. Um, anyone on app.net can go look. Mark Andreessen himself has been using it quite a bit. His username is P Marka, P M A R C A. And go read his, go read the post that he's doing. If you want to get a feel for his personality, um, he's using the site. He enjoys it a lot. Uh, the other partners have as well. Um, the, my new board member is this guy named Scott Weiss. And Scott Weiss was the founder and CEO of a company called Ironport, which was um, the drop. It was an email service. It was a software as a service email provider, um, which was quite successful and honestly has a lot of analogs to what we're trying to do from an infrastructure perspective. Uh, that was email, and obviously this is not an email company. Um, but I, w- I would really just say that there's definitely no forced liquidity event in the future. Um, the, the company 
Mixed Media Labs has raised $5 million. And, you know, people already know our revenue numbers of what we brought in just from app.net. So hopefully it'll show that um, pursuant to how much money we've raised, we're in really good shape. Um, if you look at the kind of stuff that raises this amount of money, it's usually pretty goofy, early stage stuff with no revenue. Um, so I know that our current investors are, again, doing and having doing something that's ambitious and open-ended is exactly what those guys want to see happen. And, you know, I knowing Andreessen as well as I do and spending time with him, I mean, he, he really encouraged me to do app.net to be, to be honest with you guys. Um, when I sat down and explained to him what the vision was, he was, he, he was like, yeah, you have to do this, dude. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, uh, I can't imagine a more, uh, supportive thing. And in terms of actual control issues, you know, um, we haven't raised very much money. Um, I control the board, uh, you know, what we've actually raised is very small, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I, you know, in terms of people just worrying about the equivalent of what happened to Twitter, I mean, Twitter raised hundreds of millions of dollars at a very, very high valuation and, you know, needs to go public and has been promising to go public. Um, we have the benefit, there's no way we would be able to do what we were doing without having money brought in at some point because our two and a half year old code base, which we've been working on, which is as mature as it is, that allows us to do what we're doing, was financed from that money, right? And so I really do think that um, without us having the early runway to build the team and to build the infrastructure that we have today, we would not have app.net as we know it today. And so I, you know, that's, it's just an important thing to know. Um, so anyway, hopefully, so in terms of the question, they're, they're, they're being supportive. Our goal is to grow the company through revenue and not take more venture capital. Um, so, you know, if we never raise another penny, I know that our, you know, Andreessen Horowitz will high five us and be psyched because it means we did a fantastic job. And remember, those are the same guys that just funded GitHub who had never raised a penny before. They, you know, they, they just put money in GitHub. So hopefully that shows what kind of businesses they're interested in, in, in working with. And potentially what kind of business app.net can be. That's exactly right. It's, it's consistent with their values and what they want to see. So that's, I'm excited to keep working with them. Oh, great. Uh, any, any last words besides that? You know, again, I just, I want to thank everybody that's listening and is pitching in and, uh, just, you know, again, express, uh, our gratitude, uh, that people care this much about things. And yeah, uh, we are humbled and honored to, to be a part of this journey with, with, with you guys and with everybody doing this. So yeah, that's my, that's my final word. Great. Well, thank you very much. Have a great weekend and everyone, you have a great weekend as well and we'll catch you on alpha. Cool. Thanks so much, Frank. Take care.